Fairy tales, children's stories about magical and imaginary beings and lands. Often the first lens we give young minds to view the world they live in. Many assume these are fictional stories to be taken lightly, but what if there is more to them? This is a podcast where we'll tell you some myths and tales that you thought you knew, and we'll show you how they are connected to real-life crimes today. This is Scary Tales, where the stories of your childhood meet real-life horror. We'll discuss how the light and happy tales of youth actually have a darker history to them. We'll also discuss true crime today and some of the eerie connections they have to the myths and legends of yesterday. Tune in for a new tell every other Tuesday. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and anywhere you stream your podcast. All I want for Christmas is a snack break. I love it when you sing to me. Welcome back. It's Christmas time and the Christmas stuff and the Christmas spirit. And we're here and it's us. And we're going to talk about Santa Claus. Santa Claus. You were supposed to go, Santa Claus. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm not as uh, lyrical as you are. But we are going to talk about Santa Claus today. We and are. not only Santa Claus. All of his friends. All of his friends. Some of which are spooky and creepy. Yes, there's there's uh, a little bit of a kind of Halloween version of Santa, if you will. Yes, and I'm sad that as a child I did not know about any of these versions. I know. I feel like I feel like you would have been the one to like leave cookies or whatever Krampus wants by the fireplace for him if you had known that he existed. Possibly. We'll get to Krampus, but he's all, almost a little too scary for he's, me. We'll save we'll save the best for last. But uh, you and I's children we talked about it we just believed in your standard red suit slightly obese coming down the chimney white beard man yes and we believed that he was real yes we did if you are listening to this podcast and you don't already know he's not real if Lacey had a traumatic experience with this i don't remember the day i found out santa wasn't real I remember the exact moment we were sitting around like a holiday dinner table and the adults at the adult table were talking about how when they were going to tell me that Santa Claus wasn't real and I was eavesdropping and it um, like destroyed me. You cried. Oh, yeah. 100%. Like my heart was broken. It's like if, you know, your first breakup, your real breakup. I can see the heartbreak on your face right now. Mm -hmm. PTSD. That's what you're seeing. Also, I like that you just compared finding out Santa Claus isn't real to like your first real heartbreak. Yes. Because you grow the up magic, and love him. The magic is so sweet. A little bit of magic is gone. It is. So, sorry if we just took away that little bit of magic mm-hmm. for y- from you. But we're going to introduce you to some new holiday characters that you can celebrate. Celebrate. Be scared of. Yeah. You can celebrate. You can avoid all mm-hmm. those things. And then we'll do our snack break. And then we'll Sad come back pray. for a little bit of true crime. We, and that's, that's what we do. That's, that's what we do here on Scary Tales. Yep. Shall we? We shall. Today we're, we're talking about Santa Claus, but also St. Nick, Chris Kringle, the man with the bag. Am I missing any? There's a whole list of them that I can't even pronounce. Oh, okay. they're all German. All the versions of Santa Claus? Yes, all the versions and friends of Santa Claus. There's a lot of them. But he was inspired by St. Nicholas. Yes. The, the first, the original. So no surprise that there are uh, some religious ties to this. He was inspired, our, our version of Santa Claus was inspired by a monk named St. Nicholas back in like 280 AD. So we're we're really far back in our timeline. Mm-hmm. He is was orphaned at a young age. His parents supposedly died during an epidemic, so probably part of why he was so loving and caring towards children was probably because of his experience as a child but also the epidemic and also yeah it's too soon 2020 too soon yeah hard to talk about epidemics Mm -hmm. in today's day and age without getting sad he was raised by his uncle who also worked for the church so he did still have some family that raised him and apparently they raised him well because Supposedly, when he grew up, he gave away all of his money so that he could travel the country caring for the poor and sick. So, he was a good guy. Mm-hmm. Also, that I feel like that probably is some of the inspiration behind the whole traveling. Around um, the world. I don't think the St. Nick traveled with flying 
sleigh, sleigh and reindeer. reindeer. But in 2016, I was reading, they did this study to calculate if Santa Claus were to go to every house and see every family across the world, it would take... He, or not take, I'm sorry. He would have to travel at 1,280 miles per second in one night to reach all the homes. There's no way. Don't tell. Unless There's a way, Hannah. It's called magic. Magic. Uh, yeah, I highly doubt this guy was able to do all that without, mm-hmm. the, without the deer in the sleigh. So he kind of had some interesting stories about him. Some were a little bit more rough around the edges than we might have thought that the original inspiration behind Santa Claus would be. Uh, One of the best known St. Nicholas stories was a time that he saved these three poor sisters, young ladies who were being sold into slavery or prostitution by their father. He, you know, if families couldn't take care of their children, they would often find other means. Mm -hmm. It, Hansel and Gretel leaving their children in the woods. Mm-hmm. And this, this is also during around the time of a pandemic, like we just said. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they couldn't take care of them for one reason or another. Um, so this father was selling these girls probably to be able to buy food and stuff like that. But apparently St. Nick uh, came in and provided them with a dowry so that they could get married. So instead of being sold into slavery or prostitution or whatever horrible thing their father was going to do, he was able to provide them with finances to go and get married. Not the not the Christmas gift you would imagine. Imagine, yep. Because it's probably an arranged marriage also, but sure, yeah. whatever. It's better than slavery. Yes. Maybe. Hopefully. <laughs> uh, other sto- another story that was a little bit uh, uh, less popular and a little bit more spooky, which is our theme here, mm-hmm. is a story about St. Nicholas entering an inn. And the innkeeper had just supposedly murdered three boys and dismembered their bodies, put them in a basement in barrels. And St. Nick shows up not only like kind of detective solves, solves the crime, but also in some versions resurrects the children. Mm -hmm. And that is why one of the things that made him the patron saint of children. Yeah, that people would have heard this story and been like, oh, you know, not only is he kind and giving, but like maybe he has some kind of supernatural power about him. Side note, Anna and I were just laughing about this. In in our notes, (laughs) I, I have, and I don't know if this is a typo or not, but I have that Nicholas entered an inn whose keeper had just murdered three boys and pickled their dismembered bodies in basement barrels. Now, did I actually read that he pickled them like in a in a jar, was trying to make some pickles out of children, or did I mean and put their dismembered bodies in the basement? We'll never know. Either way, I do like kind of the the mental image of Saint Nick resurrecting these pickled boys out of basement barrels. Yeah, that makes it more exciting. Adds some flair to the story. It it does. He, I, I think, too, what, what I like about St. Nick is that he's got some stories about him kind of like that that make him seem a little bit rougher around the edges. I wish my colleague, um, shout out Jay, would, was here because he knows all the theology and all the stories behind St. Nick. But apparently St. Nick kind of had a little bit of a, you know, rougher, more gritty personality than the Santa, the the jolly Santa we picture today, that he Mm -hmm. would have been the one to, um, you know, kind of tell people where they're wrong and put them in their place. And if there was a disagreement over something that he thought was really important and which a lot of them had to do with children or religion, you know, he would kind of stand his ground on that. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't be crossing St. Nick. No. He ain't going to play your games. No, he's not. He's not going to play. Which, and he, I think I was going to, can I go ahead and talk about his his broken nose yeah okay because they this is not just from stories there's actually some scientific fact that kind of backs up this idea that you know he's a little more rough and tough than than the chubby santa we see today they were able to dig up his crypt 
which was somewhere in Basilica, somewhere in Italy, Mm -hmm. the original saint name. So they were able to um, find out where he was buried. They dug up his crypt and they put together his, the remains of his bones, like Mm -hmm. from his skull. Science. I know you may have to jump in here, scientific Mm -hmm. lady, but they were able to reconstruct that and putting all these bones together and from that they made like a digital recreation of what his face would have looked like Mm -hmm. and the only thing they weren't able to put back together was his nose because his nose was broken so badly and they think that it was probably from just that like religious persecution of the christians that he would have been involved in some of those situations where like he may have been in the middle of some some fights Mm -hmm. because he was they were being persecuted and he was standing up for the faith and he's balling. He may have gotten his nose punched a time or two. Mm -hmm. And we'll post the pic, the picture we're talking about on Instagram. Santa, the real St. Nicholas probably does not look like what you and I imagined him to be. He looked, yeah, this, um, you know, this rendering of him, which, you know, he's got the shorter hair instead of the long white hair that I picture, but he looks like somebody who would, you know, stand up for what they believe and not back down and take a punch to the face rather than let you walk all over them. He does. So I kind of like that about him on more, more of the Christmas side of things, kind of talking about where some of these, where he kind of moved from this religious figure to this kind of household figure was when he was taking care of the poor. He was known obviously to give out money and, food and things that he could to them but he wasn't always he wasn't coming down people's chimneys he was more likely uh communicating with them or passing gifts to them through their windows and a lot of people would hang their stockings or their shoes either by the fireplace if they had one or to to dry and to get warm or they would leave them by the windows to air dry and Sometimes when he, if he couldn't reach someone's window, he would throw the coins into their window and they would end up landing in their shoes or their stockings or whatever they were leaving near windows or fireplaces to, mm-hmm. to dry because they didn't have dryers back then. Didn't, not in 280 nope, AD? Not in 280 AD. What were they doing? So this is kind of where this, the stockings and the gifts in mm-hmm. random clothing kind of started, which I kind of like. Yeah. He... He was also, we talked about children, he was also known as a protector of sailors, and that's because St. Nicholas loved to travel, and specifically he liked to sail, and so he also became this thing that I read when ships back then would get into uh, storms out at sea or whatever, they would pray to St. Nicholas and the waters would be calm. And I that, didn't know that. And I think a lot of that, that, that is a lot of the Catholic version of the faith is you had a saint for every specific role or specific yeah. thing. Uh, it, we're not Catholic. We don't know. No, details, but, I, but my, I had a, I had a roommate in college and she was Catholic and she, um, I can remember like if she lost something, she would pray to the, the patron saint of lost items or, yeah. you know, the, you've got St. Nick is children. He, he specialized or had a special interest in children and travel. So he's the saint of, you know, sailors and children. Mm-hmm. So, I kind of like I that. Would you be, would, I was just about to say yep. the same thing. <laughs> you would be the patron saint of animals. animals. And there is one. I forget his name. What would I be? Of literature. Literature. And books. And, and patron, I'm the patron saint of Halloween. Merch idea. Patron saint of literature. Literature. Yep. Books. Merch. Ireland. Mm-hmm. Halloween. Halloween. TJ Maxx. <laughs> all of your favorite things. So, so, that's a little bit of the backstory of St. Nick. This is all... Um, before kind of where his story originated more in that obviously across the pond buried in Italy born near kind of maybe modern day Turkey is what Mm -hmm. they think he made his way over to America more in our American culture more towards the late 18th century we get everything later we do which makes sense and by the time we get a lot of these cultural things it's a little bit of a mashup of everything yeah so we've got a Melting little bit of pot. yeah we've got a little bit of of everything all the different cultural aspects to it all wrapped up into one and i think it was um 
and that's when the name Santa Claus, we kind of latched onto that. We Americanized it. We Americanized it, yeah, because... It was Center Klaus. Center Klaus. Which uh, is Saint Nicholas. Mm-hmm. You can see where we got that. So, yeah, the, the American version is Santa Claus. He uh, obviously became super popular. He made an appearance in the New York newspapers that first reported, because you had a lot of the New England European culture mm-hmm. uh, up in New York. And so I think when he first made his name into the newspaper, that I think they were celebrating or like honoring his death like an anniversary mm-hmm. and then that's where people kind of took it and turned it into this cultural phenomenon 1820 as i think when he first was reported as being advertised like used in stores as advertisement first in malls or, or i guess like stores for you to see mm-hmm. in person around 1841 so he's kind of made his way from the newspapers as a historical person to advertisements as a fictional person to now we're putting them in front of you you can come see him at a store the the life-size santa mm-hmm. model then in i think early 1890s the salvation army began to dress up unemployed men as santa claus to raise money for the christmas meals that they would provide for people so that's nice that they gave them a job and yeah Kind of use them as advertisement for their own good. And I love, I still, to this day, my my grandfather used to be one of the Salvation Army guys that would ring the bell and mm-hmm. um, Why take up donations. Why don't they dress up as Santa Claus anymore? They don't dress up as Santa Claus anymore, but they do still do that. Because it'd be warm. People, there were some people at the summit doing that. I always try to find some change in my car to give to them because I, I do appreciate that. And I think in the spirit of giving, they're doing what the original Santa Claus wanted to do. Mm-hmm. He wanted to give his resources and blessings to other people and so i think to me that the salvation army and what they do is probably more in line with what saint nick was going for than bringing presents than the chimney and the cookies yeah than the advertisement Mm -hmm. shopping version of it um then he started kind of becoming a literary phenomenon so 1822 so around the same time he was coming into stores and coming into advertisement he was also becoming kind of more literary people were writing poems about him um people started writing songs about him he was and i think one of the poems i think the first poem was an account of a visit from saint nicholas which we know more as Twas was the night before christmas and all through the house not, not a, a creature, creature was stirring there. not even a mouse and that was 1822, so a while ago, and that was by, um, and actually an Episcopal minister named Clement Clark Moore wrote that. So still, he's still within the the religious kind of world a little bit, mm-hmm. and I think that was the poem, too, that made, that gave more of that modern image of Santa, the, the jolly older gentleman mm-hmm. that we kind of see today. And it gave him that he he kind of dived into his supernatural ability to with the climb up chimneys and with the chimney like with care and hopes that Saint Nicholas soon would, would be, be there. there. Then eighteen eighty one, he gets a little more political. So he's showing up in political cartoons. He's in fancy magazines like Harper's Weekly. He has the long white beard. He's holding a sack for toys. So at this point, he's just inundated kind of all of culture. It's in 1881 that the cartoonist came up with what we now know as the first image of Santa with the bright red suit trimmed with the white fur. And he introduced the North Pole workshop and the elves and and Miss Claus. Yeah, the cartoon version that we all picture. We modernized it. We We, we, um, commercialized it. Yes. But And now, today, we're going to talk about the Santa's spookified a little bit yeah we're gonna talk about Santa's all across the world because he's not the same in every country every every country puts their little spin on who Santa Claus is and who he hangs out with and what he looks like and so of course America has put the the jolly obese materialistic Mm -hmm. spin spin to it America do you okay so looking at this list of all of our Santa versions Mm -hmm. from across the world do you have a favorite we have 
Um, let's. You want to just go over all of them, and then when yeah. you get to it, we'll. I'll tell you which one's my favorite. Because we have something from a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. So a lot of this originated in um, Germany. So German, Germany has their uh, Christkind. Mm-hmm. I think Chris Kringle is also more German. Mm-hmm. Christ. This is a. The name comes from Christ's child. What? So he was kind of viewed more as this childlike religious angel child figure mm-hmm. that would accompany St. Nick on his holiday missions. Is this nice. ger- that's, his, that's German, pleasant. his German friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that one. Christ child, little angel. Mm-hmm. In Scandinavia, there is a jolly elf named Jolto Min. Well, little crap. Jultoman. You get the drift. He was thought to deliver gifts in a slain, Drawn by goats, not reindeers. <laughs> Which, you know, whatever. Mine would, like, I would have a sleigh pulled by golden retrievers. I like that. Mm-hmm. Goats is a, that's a mental image for mm-hmm. you, though. And they're loud, too. See, they would mess up the whole sneaking in at I night. Know, you can't be stealthy. No. It'd just be like Santa Claus clumping down the chimney and be like, <laughs> in the background. I was really hoping you were going to make a goat yeah. sound. You're welcome. Uh, in England... They have a legend that explains that Father Christmas would visit each home on Christmas Eve and fill the children's stockings with holiday treats. I, that sounds very British. Father Christmas. Yes, they had. They, yeah, they had the more Father Christmas and they the holiday treats. So they they focused more on like the 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 cookies and milk mm-hmm. and oh, I, I kind of like that one. Mm-hmm. And the, I also like the French one. And then I'll let you do because isn't the next one your the next yes. one on the list is your favorite? I'll let you do that one. So uh, also kind of. Uh, close to England in France, they had Pierre Noel, and he would fill children's shoes with the gifts. So they would leave their shoes by the door, mm-hmm. which you know you gotta have a gift that can kind of fit in your fit in your shoes. Yeah. So they would what, leave their shoes either by their door. You don't. You, you get don't a get toy it. pony mm-hmm. if you've been good. Or drafts. All right, so I know the next one's your favorite. Yes, it is. I love this so much. I never heard about it until we started researching this. But in Russia, <laughs> it is believed that an elderly woman, and I'm going to say you pronounce this babushka, even though I feel like that's the name of a horror movie where there's a demon. Uh, well, hang on to that because okay. I don't know why people keep taking jolly things and messing them. Yeah. I'm probably correct. Anyways. So. Elderly woman in Russia named Babushka, who is said to have purposefully given the three wise men wrong directions to Bethlehem so that they could not find Jesus. <laughs> I don't know why that gets me. And then but, later, but, later she felt bad. Yeah, she feels bad later. That, but she couldn't undo the damage. She had she, led them astray. They weren't able to find Jesus. So, And she wasn't able to find them. Right. <laughs> and so to this day, on January 5th, Babushka... Visits Russian children leaving gifts at their bedside in hope that one of those children is the missing baby Jesus. She wants to be forgiven. Bless her. Little babushka. I know. I, I do like that. And you know this quote from the office. And who is Jesus's dad? <laughs> I do. I do like that one. Goodness. She's just trying to make up for her wrongs. She's the best one for sure. And I like that she's like an elderly old lady. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, January 5th is a big date that I've seen too. That mm-hmm. It was either like December 5th or January 5th because it used to be that winter solstice event and it, mm-hmm. wasn't, conne- it wasn't necessarily always connected to the birth of Jesus. Mm-hmm. But um, Italy has also has a woman. So you've got the uh, woman in Russia. Italy also has a woman named La Bafina. Uh, and she was a kind kindly witch love would, that so she you know she's a little nice sweet little, little sweet uh she's good and bad mm-hmm. and she would ride on a broomstick down the chimneys of italian homes and deliver toys to the stockings of lucky she's my children. second favorite that's yeah. like the best of both worlds you get the best of both worlds. this is just you got a christmas day but a witch in your chimney you get the I wonder. I wonder if part of it was that she was on a broomstick, and that just felt very chimney esque. Yeah, right. She could clean the chimney as she's going. Yeah, clean it up. And then the only other woman that I heard about, which I can't remember where she came, like country wise, where she came from, but 
This lady is similar uh, to La Bafina. She, what, her name was Perkta. Perkta. And she was a winter goddess that she was actually mentioned like briefly in Brothers Grimm, mm-hmm. which you know we love Grimm, mm-hmm. the Grimm brothers here. So she was mentioned in one of their stories and she was a witch like Bafina. And she, if you were good, then she would bring you gifts. And she was beautiful when mm-hmm. she appeared to you. If you were bad, she was ugly and she would like looked like the old hag and she would was said to cut open children's stomachs take out their insides and Mm. replace them with rocks and hay and then sew you back up Mm. and then they just function normally from there on out i don't know but she yeah so she kind of had the best (laughs) she you had to make sure you were not on the naughty list because you weren't just getting a lump of coal you weren't just getting a lump of coal you were getting stuff like a teddy bear stuff like a teddy bear with rocks and hay jeez so those are some of she might be the scariest but yeah she's the scariest but then babushka's the the sweetest Uh uh-huh uh everybody makes mistakes everybody (laughs) my word should we do an episode on Hannah Montana? Yes. But but then there's there's one spooky Santa Claus yeah. figure that just stands out above the rest. And many movies have been made about him, horror films. Yeah. And his name is Krampus. Krampus. In America, Krampus. Krampus. Um so so we let's talk about Krampus. So he was seen as kind of Santa Claus's counterpart, sidekick, helper evil doppelganger you name it the different versions of the stories kind of put him as a different thing the most popular one is that they were kind of these like a partner this dynamic Mm -hmm. duo where santa claus was the good half if you were good he would bring you you know goodies and treats and give you presents if you were bad krampus would step in Mm -hmm. and and he was terrifying and before krampus santa claus had a couple other companions Yes, that were not as popular as Krampus, but we'll mention them here because they're interesting. And one of them is I, very popular because of the office. Go ahead. So, go ahead and tell us about that one because you love yes. the office and you almost dressed up as this for Halloween. I did. And then um, we ran and out of Halloween time. And got canceled. And then nobody else stole my idea because I still might do this. But it is the one and only Belle Schnickel that Dwight dresses up as on the episode of The Office. And yes, he is a real German part of folklore. So... Mm-hmm. German origin, and he is still celebrated in Pennsylvania Dutch, in the Pennsylvania Dutch community. Yeah. And he, just like the Office episode, he wears dirty furs, he's covered in dirt and charcoal, and he carries a long switch. Yeah, all of these similar things carry Mm -hmm. some sort of stick to beat you with. Right. Terrifying. Unlike the next two, or this next three people we're going to mention, Belschnickel travels alone. So St. Nick's not with him, but he would beat the children who misbehaved, but would give the good children cakes, candies, and nuts. So he was kind of the good and bad Mm -hmm. in one. Yes. In most of these versions, which I cannot wait to see you dressed up as that. Mm -hmm. In most of these versions, um, it is a kind of counterpart to Santa, so they would go together. Another one from Germany is... Yep, go ahead and say it. I, why do you always give me these? I'm going to say, Let she's me, looking it up. I'm going to say you know, it's my pronounced Necht-Rupakt. Let's see, she, let's see how close she got. This is German. Hang on. Why is it? It thinks I'm Italian right now. All right. Say it again. What do you think? Neich. Oh, hold on. <clears throat> I'm getting the space. Necht-Rupakt. All right, let's see how close she got. Necht-Rupakt. Are you kidding me? I, that's pretty you good. You don't even need your translator. So this guy was more of this kind of servant, farmhand, wild man, bushy beard, <laughs> hooded brown cloak. He also had a large stick. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had a the bag. Like Santa? Like Santa, yes. But he didn't do good things with the bag. No, and that's what I was going to say about all these. If you see any of these guys with a bag, it's not full of gifts for the kids. It's for the kids. It's full of children. Kids (laughs) that were bad, yeah. So he would travel with St. Nick and make sure that children knew their prayers, that they could recite their verses. If they didn't, he would either beat them with the switch 
or give them a lump of coal. Not good options. Not good options. Um, if they did know their prayers, St. Nick would give them like nuts or fruit or Oh, so this treats. guy came and he was like, do you know your prayers? No. Lump or coal or switch. And if you yes. do, apples or nuts. Yes. And then by the time you get down to Krampus, he's just dragging you to hell. hell. Yeah. Yeah. But we do have one more before Krampus. And this one today culturally is, uh, it's rough. Problematic. So his name was, I can't pronounce this again, but I'm going to go with Zwart Piet. Sounds good. You want me to double check you? No, because, you know, you I'm a trans. great. Yeah. Um, and Zwart this. Zwart Pete. Zwart Pete. Zwart Pete. Okay. Well, this translates to Black Peter. And this character was inspired by a slave. He is depicted to have a black face with really large red lips and wears a big black curly wig. So you can see where this starts to cause problems. And this originated in like Dutch Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Area. We're full of full of mostly like what are they Anglo Anglo-Saxon yeah. white people. Yes. Correct. He also um, if you did not know this, he is also depicted in an episode of The Office, but they have cut that part from Netflix because of the racism. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I never knew who that was when I saw that part. I just, well, now you know. Now you know. Everyone knows. So if you own the DVDs of The mm-hmm. Office, there you go. So in the Netherlands specifically, where this person is celebrated, it has caused a lot of controver- controversy. Because many white people to celebrate him paint their faces black for parades, etc. Because that's another thing we'll talk about, with, especially with Krampus, is that there are a lot of holiday parades. So just like we throw Santa Claus in a fire truck and he drives around the neighborhoods, mm-hmm. a lot of people, especially with these like cultural traditions, like, traditions would dress up, go out in the street. Mm-hmm. And have like a holiday event, almost almost kind of like a Halloween more yes. parade type thing, like going from door to door. Mm-hmm. So yeah, well, you, you can't dress up as you can't dress up as Zwart Pete. But to kind of reconcile this, they started saying that the black on their face was not the color of the person's skin, but soot from climbing in and out of the, the chimney. chimney. That was their solution uh, to kind of still carry on this tradition, which it's still. Still, just don't do it. Well, yeah, he's the le- he's the the least common, like mm-hmm. the least n- known of these three. Mm-hmm. Bell Schnitzel, honestly, probably because of the office. Mm-hmm. So thanks for that. But the one that is pr- probably the most famous because there are movies and books and shows mm-hmm. about him. Oh, the Krampus! Krampus. So you don't hear about him on the radio. Like I don't know any Krampus holiday songs, but you can find him in movies because. He's terrifying. So Krampus was not the holly jolly character that you picture today. He was... What did he look like? Sometimes he's described as like part human, part goat. Kind of like... The devil. Yeah, kind of like the devil. devil kind of like the satyrs from Greek mythology. Mm. Um, he had horns, dark hair, fangs, a long tongue. Uh, Krampus means claw. It's from our German word Krampen, which means claw. So he's supposed to have these big, long claw hands. Mm-hmm. And get you with them. That he would snatch kids with. Yeah, because he he also carried the like big bundle of sticks that he would just you know swat mm-hmm. bad children with. If they were bad enough, he would just snatch them, put them in his bag, and take them to the underworld. Oh. Yeah. That movie Drag Me to Hell. I've never seen it, but I've heard of it. Does that have Krampus in it? I, I don't know. Could throw, be. Throw a Santa Claus hat on him and Krampus. There you go. A Krampus. Krampus. So this is a little bit of German folklore, Norse mythology, all wrapped into one. He would, early in December, kind of that winter solstice, would travel and would travel with St. Nick. St. Nick was the person who would reward children who had been good or, or like take care and provide for children who were poor. Krampus would swat the wicked children. He carried a sack like St. Nicholas, but mm-hmm. instead of toys being in his sack, he put the children, the bad children in his sack. It's a long way to hell. You got to have something to carry. Yeah, in. he would. All There's all there's all the stories. Eat mm-hmm. them, torture them, burn them, drown them. It, anything. bad. Bad news. Not just a lump of coal anymore. You mm-hmm. are 
it's bad. They would have a, a night. So apparently December 5th was Krampus night. And then December 6th was St. Nicholas's Day. Okay, so you get the bad. You so end with got, the good. Yeah, so you've got... And, and I, I will say, I think I kind of like that that lesson is... I mean, people used to kind of have these spookier figures as a way to like ward off evil spirits. Mm-hmm. But then I think it became kind of this internalized, you know, how do we respond to our own souls? And so you had the good and the bad. So we're rewarding good behavior and we're punishing, you know, there are consequences for bad behavior. Mm-hmm. Now I feel like this kind of took it to an extreme, but so it was, a bit. you know, how do we, how do we discourage bad behavior in our children who are going to grow up and run our society and how do we reward good behavior Mm -hmm. but there's there's a there's a holiday tradition of this that i think you you would enjoy that i think you want to go to i do we're adding this to our scary tales bucket list of places we want to go and things we want to do so you want to go to a krampus run i do and again can't say this word krampus Krampus but at nighttime and this is, mainly happens in Austria, Germany, Hungary, Slovenia, Czech and the Republic. Czech Republic. Yeah. Uh, some there, I, there are some places in the U.S. that will will do it, but obviously it's not as it's not authentic. A, it's not yeah it's not as American yeah. The you go out, you get drunk, you, you're dressed up as Krampus, and you run around and scare children and anybody else that's around. So it's like the classic the Spanish like bull run where they let bulls out in the street, yep, and, but it's and just they a bunch of people. Cr- but bunch it's of Krampuses. A bun- it's a bunch of Krampuses dressed <laughs> up and they just chase people in the streets. That that sounds like something you would that's enjoy. That's on our list. It is. I would enjoy it. Yep. Mm-hmm. You would want to dress up or be chased? Both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That doesn't surprise me. Both, both, both. There you go. That's Krampus. That's, that's Santa. Nick. Santa, some of his friends, and some of the spookier of his friends. Mm-hmm. Things you probably didn't know about Christmas. You probably wanted to keep Christmas a little less spooky. Sorry. Well, it's going to get spookier after our snack break, which we have a little holiday treat to try. We we do. I'm very excited about it. It's going to refresh us. It's going to spark, give us a spark in our brain. Uh, Hannah pulled an all-nighter last night, grading papers. So here I'm still working at the hospital in the time of COVID. So I'm tired. You're tired. So so our snack break comes at a with a much needed caffeine boost. Yes, ma'am. Let's get to it. Is a snack break. <laughs> that is, we're going to go with it. It's good. Um, also, how did, George, cat, how did George get back in here? <laughs> who Houdini, Houdini himself oh, in. And okay, now he's, now gone. he's gone. All right. Welcome back to our snack break. I can hear the dogs and everything going on right now. Close the door. Yep. And and we're here. Uh, Our snack break today. Today. Are we we going with what we just did? Yeah. Okay. Chase, on his way home, stopped by Dunkin' Donuts, and he got us the seasonal sugar plum macchiato, and it is lavender, which I don't understand. Because the I plum, guess the plum is purple. Okay. Yeah. I'm terrified of this. It looks sugary. Sugary for sure. So we got to stir it so, up. Yeah, so, yeah, it's purple on the bottom. Like the bottom two thirds of it mm-hmm. is purple. Lavender. Like just a little bit of coffee mm-hmm. at the top. Yep. And um, this is. Uh, so are you going to mix it up? Or are you yeah. Gonna, okay. Yeah. ASMR. But don't take a sip until I. Oh, get a sip. This is why when I go to Starbucks, I get the drink upside down. Yeah. Okay. 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 My my next review though. Oh, yours is good in purple. I, I was about to say it's it's an interesting color. I'm okay. It's just the, the I think the colors throw me off. All right, you ready? Yes. Cheers. Uh, cheers. It says cheers on the glass, on the mug, on the cheers, cup. Man. Cheers. Ready. That, t- that tastes like a unicorn cake in a co- in a coffee <laughs> version. Very sweet. Uh huh. Very silky, creamy. I'm not gonna lie. I like that a lot. Hmm. <clears throat> oh, yeah. 
with it with just like a little you, like hint of berry hint, uh, after uh, aftertaste hint of berry when you first drink it coffee mm-hmm. but then after you after you take that sip uh-huh there's a smoothness it. that comes in and, and, and then the little berry little blueberry berry, a little berry blast a little strawberry a berry blast yeah. alliteration also thank you we love a berry blast uh, good job duncan yeah i like that i would mm. get that again mm. i would get this uh, that's good what do you rate it I, you're gonna give it a high rating because the unicorn cake was your favorite is your favorite snack break we've done so far the little debbie unicorn cake and if you i'm gonna this give it an liquid, eight. Oh really mm-hmm. it's look, very creamy it is that, that's what if you i mean if you're lactose intolerant you probably can't drink this what are you gonna give it okay i like it mm-hmm. but i still i think prefer the classic like peppermint or mm-hmm. vanilla or like it's a this is a lot of but it's, it's she's in her sweet. she's in her own genre she's, I know. she's the holiday yeah the holiday you can't genre. really compare no. she's a unicorn the i drinks. give it a seven okay Cheers. I'm close. Cheers mm-hmm. again. All right. I go get this. It's it's good. Mm. Dunkin' Donuts. Mm-hmm. Holiday. If you're feeling that's really, really good. If to you're me. feeling really fancy, you can put a donut on top. Mm-hmm. They have a sugar plum donut. Sugar plum donut. With take your sugar a, plum. Take coffee. an Instagram pic. Send it to us. Yeah. Let us know what you thought. You all caffeinated now? I am. I'm ready to get on to part two. Let's do it. Because you're gonna need the caffeination, and maybe a tissue. No. Oh. Great. Mm-hmm. And we're back. True crime. I, my friend Omar, I keep meaning to give him a shout out and I keep forgetting. And uh, he wanted to be shouted out, Hansel and Gretel, but I forgot. So, surprise, here you are. Hello, Omar. Thank you for listening to Scary Tales. Glad we got that out of the way and that I remembered. There you go. So uh, right after we filmed the snack break, I realized that the, what is it called? The sugar, sugar plum, plum macchiato, macchiato taste exactly like. This is the best review you're going to hear. And I, why didn't we do this in the snack break? It tastes like you just ate a bowl of Fruity Pebbles and you have all the milk left at the end and you drink the milk. That's what it tastes like, people. Or, or Cap'n Crunch. Uh, yes. Oh, yeah, Crunch it's Berries. Crunch Berries. Yeah. So sorry for it the... Is, it is the milk at the end of a bowl of Crunch Berries. There you go. So... I'm not mad about that. No, I'm not. I'm not at all. Go get it now. I gave it yeah. an 8 out of 10. Sorry for the extended snack break. Sorry. Snack break is over. It's time for true crime. <laughs> Tell us what we're talking about today. <clears throat> well, let me clear my... Because I just choked on a little bit of <laughs> sugar plum. Sugar plum. Went sugar down Berries. What's that? <laughs> is that a euphemism for something <laughs> does it mean something i don't know but you're gonna have to cut that <laughs> i can't that's to be it <laughs> i'm wearing a santa hat too you're <laughs> drinking my sugar berries I'm so oh me <laughs> Okay, right. sorry. True crime. True crime. The Covina Christmas Massacre. So, of course, you found a... Yes, I did. Not just a murder, but a murder of an entire family on Christmas Day? I did. Thanks. I looked up the worst crimes committed on Christmas. And this one is actually really popular. I've been seeing podcasts releasing their Christmas episodes, and this is one that they always cover. So, but today... You get the Scary Tales version. This story centers around a man named Bruce Pardo. And my dad's name's Bruce, so hi, Dad. Shout out to you. He, Bruce Pardo, grew up in San Fernando Valley in Los Angeles, California. Super smart guy. Really good at math and eventually became a software engineer for a jet propulsion laboratory. So doing smart man things. Yeah, that sounds fancy. Mm-hmm. Although he was really smart... Bruce was not a great employee. He was just 
messing around at work, didn't take work seriously. And then one day, the company actually found out that he had used the computer, his computer savviness to hack the company's system. And he didn't do this for like personal gain to like put more money in his account or anything. No, he, he just hacked the computer to look into other employees' personal information, like their salaries. It's just what you do when you're bored and you're a computer hacker. I know. When you're, when you're so smart that you get bored, but you're not nefarious. So you're not doing it for bad reasons. I, I mean, I feel, like that happens, I feel like that happens a lot of times with people. They are super smart. And so they end up getting in trouble just because they, mm-hmm. they're bored. Because they're more elite or like mentally than everything else. Right. Uh, so somehow he, he no somehow he didn't get fired but that's just a little side note he he was not a star employee but at this job he met a, a lover her name i i saw it as De, uh delia i heard other people say delilah but that's definitely not delilah in d-e-l-i-a mm-hmm. nevertheless she she was a fellow employee and they end up engaged now, Bruce, he, he wasn't a star employee. He was also not good with finances. And he was still living with his mom because of this. So because he's still living with his mom, he's kind of out down on his luck, doesn't have a lot of money. Because he's down on his luck, Delia agrees to pay for not only we- their wedding, but also their honeymoon. Which, that's nice of her. Which, like, get your coin, girl. We love a strong, yeah. independent woman. But it doesn't sound like... But that might be some red flags. Yes. Of... But not to Delia. Probably because okay. her name was Delia and not Delilah. That's not her fault. Yeah, true. The wedding day comes around. Delia spent all this money. Her and Bruce's mom are super excited for the wedding day, as most people are about their wedding day. And the stage is set. Everything's beautiful. She's down at the... Ready to walk down the aisle, but Bruce being, as we will later find out, the trash bag that he is, he did not show up for the wedding. Left her standing at the altar. Aw. He is not a good person. Is he the villain of the story? He is. That wasn't enough. Bruce later withdrew $3,000 from his and Delia's joint bank account and took himself on a trip to Palm Springs. Oh, good. So he took himself on his own little honeymoon. like, you are a just... Yeah. What is another word besides trash? You were a despicable yeah. human. Yeah, that's and bad. we're we're hey, just, I'm going to leave you at the altar, and I'm going to steal your money and go on a vacation. We're just on the surface. So, that all happens. Bruce is out on the town single again. We flash forward to th- 2001, and Bruce meets a new woman whose name is Eleanor, which we love. My dog's name is Eleanor. But he's and, probably going to do the same <clears> thing to her. Close, similar. There is abandonment. They end up having a son together named Matthew. They don't get married, but they have a son. And one day, Eleanor has some errands to run. So no problem leaving the baby home with Bruce, right? You should be able to leave the baby home with his father. She probably doesn't know anything about him at this point. Mm -hmm. Well, instead of watching Matthew, Bruce is wanting to watch TV. There's a pool in the backyard. Matthew wanders out. Falls into the pool, almost drowns, and when Eleanor returns, Bruce is sitting, standing there with their son, hysterical, and Matthew is rushed to the hospital, where he is found to have not only severe brain damage, but is now a paraplegic. Yikes. Can you, can that, can you become paraplegic from water, like from drowning like that? Well, your brain doesn't get any oxygen, so you just have brain damage and then nothing works. Do you think that when the tough got going, no, Bruce Bruce stepped up to the plate? No. He sure he didn't. He doesn't want to do that. He, he doesn't sure want didn't. to deal with that. So he left and never saw Matthew again. Okay. Abandoned. Not abandoned surprised. them. Flash forward again. It's 2004 and Bruce is single again. So he's going to meet another woman? Mm-hmm. He does. He this meets... Is, this is also giving me some Nanny Doss yeah. from Snow White. This will this will be the last one. And the the one that's the... The story. The story. Where the story comes from. He meets another co-worker. Or no, I'm sorry. A co-worker of Bruce's introduces Bruce to his sister-in-law, whose name is Sylvia. Now, Sylvia was 40 years old, already had three children. And she and Bruce seemed to hit it off just right from the start. Sylvia seems like a great gal. And 
they just seem really happy at first. So they get married in 2006. Like I said, picture perfect family. They attended church regularly, and Bruce even volunteered as an usher at the church, which reminds me of the Halloween episode where the dad, oh, yeah. like, sang in the choir and did all that. We're starting to put together some common threads between these stories. Yes, yes. Everything was going good, but alas, their relationship did not continue on this path because of financial stress. Because as we said earlier, Bruce, Bruce doesn't know how to do anything is really smart, but doesn't use his smarts for anything financial. smart. Your financial. <laughs> Bruce's mother, who shout out, it doesn't say her name, but shout out to her. She is the goat in this story. She had seen what Bruce had done to his past two lovers, significant others, and decided to go to Sylvia and be like, Sylvia, this is what's up. Oh, yeah. Good, good on freaking Bruce's mom. mom. Good for you. So Sylvia finds out that Bruce had this whole other life with this woman and had a son named Matthew who he had completely abandoned. And that he left somebody at the altar. Right. Yeah. Not only that, Bruce had abandoned Matthew, but he was still benefiting from having a child because he was claiming him on his taxes as a dependent, but had nothing to do with them. Scumbag. Scumbag. The dirt on the bottom of my shoe, my hospital shoe with COVID covering it. That's horrible. Yes. So I hope she left him. She does. This at uh, this point, she was like, no, nah, he ain't the one. And filed for divorce in April 2008. During the divorce proceedings, again, Bruce's mom coming in, VIP. <laughs> Instead of sitting with Bruce, she sits with Sylvia's family on the opposite side of the courtroom. Get it, girl. That. I love that. That had to, that had to hurt that had to just sing. a little yeah. bit. At this point, Bruce is getting depressed. He was supposed to be paying spousal support, which he did not. Big surprise not there. Surprised. And then the real kicker is that in July of 2008, so they were divorced in April, and then in July he was fired from his job for, again, he was bill- billing fraudulent, fraudulent hours, so just doing crap he wasn't supposed to do. And then we're really on this downward spiral. So he has no job, no wife. No wife. No support from the his A kid mom. he abandoned. Just a loser. So he's going to knows nothing. it. Which mm-hmm. normally this, yeah, I was about to say, normally this is the point where if people have hit rock bottom, something bad happens. And it does. Yeah. It's around this time that he does not buy one or two or three or four. He buys five nine millimeter handguns. Oh. Yep. So he's got you don't that. Even, you don't have enough hands for that, Bruce. No, you sure don't. You don't need that many. And then one day, Bruce talks to his neighbor. His neighbor's, na- neighbor's name is Jerry. And Jerry just so happens to own a costume shop. And Bruce is like, that might not seem important. It's very important. I just got the chills. I don't yep. like... Um... Yep. And Bruce says to Jerry, he says, Jerry, I need a Santa suit, a custom one, though. I need, I need some extra room in it. And he even put down a $200 deposit on this suit. So, okay, flash forward a little bit. It's December 2008, and his uh, Sylvia and their divorce is finalized, and it's just one week before Christmas. So she filed for it in April, mm-hmm. he lost his job in the summer, and now like it's, everything is officially, paperwork's mm-hmm. being signed. Right around Christmas. Merry Christmas. So over the next several days, we now know that Bruce started to do several strange things, one of those being... He booked a round-trip flight to Iowa so he could visit his friend Steve. And this flight was set to depart at 12.20 a.m. on Christmas Day and was supposed to return two weeks later. He also rented two rental cars, a Dodge Caliber from Budget and a silver RAV4 from Rec. He loaded the RAV4 with lots of interesting stuff, including... Maps of the southwestern U.S., a lot of water, a whole lot of food, clothing, a laptop, a whole desktop computer, and a tank of gas. What you doing with a desktop computer What you doing, car? Bruce? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. that's, And that's just one of the cars. What, what's your other car for? You're going to see. Uh. Okay, so now we've reached Christmas Eve. And on his way out the door, Bruce stop, stops to chat with his neighbor who's standing outside. And he tells him... I'm headed to a Christmas party. See you later. Interestingly enough, 
Bruce had signed up to be an usher for midnight mass at the church we were talking about. Mm-hmm. He didn't show up to that. Surprise, surprise. Because Bruce has other plans. Well, and he just told his neighbor he's going to a Christmas party. You've got some people who think he's at a church service. Mm-hmm. Instead of going to church at approximately 11.30 p.m., he shows up in this Santa suit to his former in-law's house where he knew Sylvia, his ex-wife, would be. So I just want you to imagine what set the scene. It's I cr- probably don't. <clears throat> I'm going to do don't want anyway. to imagine whatever you're about to say. I'm going to do ahead. it anyway. I know. It's Christmas Eve. You have invited all your family over. They're gathered around the table. They're eating a delicious meal. The tree is sparkling in the corner. You got a roasty, toasty fireplace. Everyone's just laughing, having a good old time. Do you got? Do you mm-hmm. have, did I set the vibe? Mm-hmm. So this was the Ortega family, which is Sylvia's family, on December 24, 2008. And the two, the parents, they had invited all of their five children and their families to visit their home, which was in Covina, California. Remember, this story was called Covina Christmas Massacre. Mm-hmm. This home was at 1129 East Knoll Crest Drive. I always have that address. I don't I know. know. I always give it to you. I don't know why. I don't know. Google Earth it. But they had all gathered together for a nice holiday get together. And that's and, a big group. Mm-hmm. Five, I mean, the the parents, mm-hmm. the five kids, and then their family. Right. There there were said to be about 25 people there. So you have the Ortegas, Joseph and Alice, which are Sylvia's parents. parents. Joseph's 80 and Alice is 70. And everything I read about them, they like worked from the ground up to build everything they had. They had this good really, yeah, really large family. All of their children were known to be super polite and was just a loving, good family. They mm. had been married for 53 years, mm. and they had the five children, which were James, Charles, Leticia, Alicia, and Sylvia. So this specific Christmas, the family had gathered around a table, and they were actually playing a game of poker, which I love. Like, give me in a big group of people playing a board game, specifically Catan. I love this. I was about to say, I've never seen you play poker. Side note, Chase has. We watched the Queen's Gambit on Netflix. Have uh, you seen big, it? No, but you're big uh, chess chess players now. Well, n- no, we're no, not both of us, and that's why this is a problem. Last night I was sleeping. It is dark in our room, and Chase wakes me up and says, "Hey, Lacey, do you want to play a quick game of chess?" Excuse me, sir. It is 10 o'clock and I'm sleeping. I love that. Did you play? No. (laughs) But love you so much. But another time. So they're playing poker and the grandchildren were in the back of the house just playing video games, doing, you know, when you would get together at your grandparents' house. The kids the adult Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then this is important. Michael Ortega, who was one of the 17-year-old grandchildren, he was upstairs playing a computer game. Yeah, because he's too cool to hang out with everybody else. Right. Suddenly... There's a knock at the... That just gave me... That scared me. (laughs) (laughs) The sound effects. Um, There's a knock at the door. And one of the Ortega's eight-year-old granddaughters, whose name was Katrina, she runs to answer the door. When she opens the door, standing there is Santa Claus, right? Mm -mm. And what any child would do when they see Santa Claus, she's excited. She runs towards Santa Claus, opens her arm, ready to give him a hug, shouting, Santa Claus! This is when Santa Claus takes out a gun, and <gasps> shoots little precious eight-year-old Katrina in the face. No. Yes. I have chills. Oh, this is just the start. Well, so, I, ju- I know this one's called the something massacre, mm-hmm. so I know it's going to be more than just a one and done. It is, unfortunately. But just to let you know, Katrina lives. Okay, thank you. She's one of the only few that lives. Just to make you feel better. So For an eight-year-old to be shot by Santa was going to mm-hmm. make me real sad. So... I told you that so we can get through the rest of the story. Okay, thank you. So hearing this gunshot, the home obviously erupts into just pure chaos. 25 people just go mm-hmm. berserk. Pu- people are running, dodging, going crazy. And Bruce just starts to open fire at anything he sees. It doesn't matter if it's a child, elderly person. He's just shooting everybody. The family members, a lot of them start to dive under the table. They were playing poker around. And... Remember, I said a bunch of the kids were in the back playing, so they were able to escape, which is nice. However, Charles, Sylvia's brother, he instantly recognized who Santa was and yelled, It's Bruce! And because he yelled this, Bruce took out his gun, and Charles was promptly shot in the face and killed instantly. 
Joseph, Alice, and their three adult daughters, including Sylvia, they were all hiding. They were some of the ones hiding under the table, and they were all shot execution style. Oh gosh. Mm-hmm. The only immediate family member was to live was Sylvia's sister Leticia, and she's the mom of Katrina, who was just shot in the face. After the shooting spree was done, he he wasn't finished yet. When Katrina had opened the door and saw Santa. He was also carrying a present, an actual wrapped large gift. Okay. Which at this point in the story, he opens this gift, and inside is a homemade flamethrower. Good. Mm-hmm. Merry Christmas, Merry, <laughs> Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. That's what he is. Gosh. He began to burn down the home. So Michael, the 17-year-old who had been upstairs, he actually didn't die from a gunshot wound. He died in the fire because he was unable to escape. So remember, Letitia is still alive. She runs outside after her daughter, who was shot in the face, and she's the one that calls 911. I was wondering what she... I I guess Mm -hmm. she went and snatched up Katrina and Mm -hmm. ran. She told the dispatcher, his name is Bruce Pardo, and she, at this point, and in the 911 call, you can look it up on YouTube, you can still hear shooting going on in the background. And at the end of his rampage, nine people were dead. The bodies, however, were so badly burned from this rampage with the flamethrower that the victims were difficult to identify and they had to use dental records. So that means he had to have killed some kids because if he killed the two parents Mm -hmm. and then there were five siblings, but he killed four of the five, Mm -hmm. that means he killed three of the kids too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, Michael, one of them was upstairs. Yep. Gosh. Math. It took a total of 80 firefighters, one and a half hours to put out the fire. Which I don't know what that is in comparison to like an average house fire, but if you you can look at pictures and the house is just well, but burnt I also, to a crisp I also on the imagine inside. too, you know, when you're trying to put out a fire and extract bodies, and you don't know how many victims or if anybody else is in there, mm-hmm. it's going to be more than just a a small thing. Yeah, it probably took a lot of time. So Bruce flees the scene at this point, but on his way out, he dropped a pair of his glasses and his Santa hat in the front yard. He then changes out of the Santa suit, packs up his rental car, and he drives to his brother's home. He gets to his brother's home, gets out of the car, lets himself inside, sits down on the couch, and shoots himself in the head, completing suicide. But I thought earlier he had bought a trip like he was Mm -hmm. earlier he bought a plane ticket somewhere and he was going to be away for like two weeks yes and here's where that comes in it is widely believed that bruce bruce's initial plan was not to kill himself however because he used a flamethrower which i've never used one but i imagine you it's really easy to burn yourself he had burnt himself and had third degree burns all of his, over his body so badly that the Santa suit had embedded itself Ew. in his skin. And so he knew at this point there the evidence against me is way too great and decided to kill himself. Ew. Not only this I feel like I have to keep saying that. Not only that, this is not where the story ends. Good this night. is just the beginning. They found his rental car dumped near his brother's home, and inside it was all the evidence, the Santa costume, everything. And Bruce, in all of his brilliancy, had rigged the Santa suit to set off this bomb ammunition booby trap type situation, which the investigators were able to safely detonate, but he planned on killing whoever found the rental car. Which, who knows how to do all that? I could. But also, good for them that they mm-hmm. were able to figure that out and not... add to the number that was already Mm -hmm. super high. It was later discovered that he had actually been planning on killing Sylvia's divorce attorney and his own mother. Dang. Mm -hmm. Those plans were thwarted because he killed himself, but he was going to, he was going to kill his own mom because she sided with Mm -hmm. Sylvia. Mm -hmm. 13 children became orphans that night because it was a very large family. You know, you have five siblings in 2016, Letitia went on Oprah, and she is quoted as saying, I can't do anything to change what happened. I can only focus on the future. This is what he's done. Enough. I'm not going to allow you to continue to consume us with your evilness. You don't want that anger to live within you day to day and grow, just like it did with the, within this monster. 
to end on a positive note, if there is one, Katrina, the little girl that was shot in the face, is just said to be thriving these days. She and the remaining members of the Ortega family reach out to victims of gun violence as a, a kind of a, to lean on them and help them cope. Which I do like that, you know, you see a lot of people who experience these hardships and they go on to create organizations and foundations to help other people who have gone through something similar. Mm-hmm. So... And I just hope she's gotten therapy at this point. Can you imagine around Christmas time and the Santas that are outside and the PTSD that would occur if you saw Santa? I mean, even right now, Lacey's wearing a Santa Santa hat hat that has a crown on Mm -hmm. it as well, which Mm -hmm. I just love it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, every time you saw, because eight is old enough for you to like remember. Mm -hmm. So every time you saw anything, yeah, you just have to stay in your house Mm -hmm. the entire holiday season. I I could never get over that. So... (laughs) So Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> and Happy New Year. Uh-oh. But that, that ends our our year of scary tales. It does. And and we'll start afresh in twenty twenty one. We'll bring you more fairy tales, classic children's stories, legends, with the stories behind them, the stories behind the stories. We've been getting a lot of requests and I hope you cover this and don't don't worry. If it's out there we will cover it if it's one that's not as well known and you think we might not know about it send it to us we'd yeah, love to hear because we've got a lot of ideas we got a list going for 2021 mm-hmm. and we're excited to bring you guys some new stuff 2021 we gotta we gotta make it good 2020 is not be, a blast but, but it but it brought us this podcast mm-hmm. and we're, we're thankful for that but we're gonna let's just keep pushing forward make yeah. it better and better uh also we have a patreon that has two episodes on it right now And we're going to add some more. We've got some movie reviews, some bonus episodes. Um, You can go support us there, get Mm -hmm. some little extra content. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But until 2021, until then, thank you so much for listening. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and and a happy new year, and happy snacking, and happy snacking. (laughs) Bye bye. Oh, also, hope hopefully um, Babushka finds baby Jesus. And who is Jesus' dad? (laughs)